0: And welcome to 9to42, the podcast from the team at The Guitar Show UK. Join us for interviews, updates and chat with artists, influencers and those that manufacture the gear that we love. Hello and welcome to 9to42, the podcast from the guys from The Guitar Show UK. Uh, my
1: fellow host Jace Hunt is with us. Hi Jace, how are you? I'm all right, Ann. I Like I was the first time you asked me when you forgot to press record. <laughs> yes, yes. So I've, I've managed to get
0: away with it for 20 seconds. This is the second take of this because I forgot to press record. Uh, and I'm going to get mercilessly ribbed for this for the remainder of the evening. But much uh, to the amuse- amusement of our guest as well tonight, uh, I'm, I'm hugely proud to have Steve Rothery from Marillion on the, on the call tonight because I'm, I'm a long-term fan and a bit of a fanboy of Steve's. So, Steve, how are you? It's lovely to have you here. I'm good, thanks. Uh, Yeah, doing
2: well. Um, Yeah, four months into uh, lockdown, and I'm not bored yet. Um, Being healthy, um, keeping myself busy, working on the Marillion album, working on my uh, solo album, Rip and Tulay.
0: Uh, and just pottering around in, in the musician's equivalent of a man cave here, and it is a fairly stunning man cave. For that, I mean, obviously you're listening to this, so you can't see, but that is that is one hell. Of- I'll take a picture.
2: <laughs> yeah, you can probably see loads of junk in the background, but there, I mean, if I, um, if you could see what's in front of me here, it, it's like something from Mission Control. It's still it's still in in development, but I have got various sort of sequencers and synthesizers and uh, a couple of. Racks of uh, guitar gear, um, various amplifiers, a few guitars, and uh, just, yeah, lots of toys.
1: Lots of flashing blinking lights. Is that a Silver Jubilee behind you? Is that what the cab I can see?
2: Uh, it's, yeah, it'll be a Silver Jubilee cab, probably. Um, yeah, but I actually sold the amp about, I don't know, a year or so ago. But there is a Marshall uh, there that you probably can't see because it's out a shot, which is an old... Um, I think an early 80s or late 70s Marshall, which is the favorite of the Marshalls that I, I had. Uh, I've got a, a Friedman um, amp here. I've got a, uh, my pitcher, which is a bit like a Dumble. Um, I've got um, one of my groove tube setups with a Dual 75 power amp and a Trier preamp. Uh, is, that an, is
1: that an AC30 in the background? Yeah,
2: it's one of the reissue AC30s. Um, with a cabinet underneath with some um, celestine blues in, um, very nice. And sitting on top is is uh, one of those the Iron Man attenuators, which I'm going to plug into it because that's the only thing about the AC30. To get it sounding good, you're going to kill yourself, really. Yeah. So <laughs> I've used I've used different attenuators on it in the past, but but that's supposed to be the best sounding one. So, and I've got the uh, UAD.
1: Ox, which I use as well, here. Yeah, so it's yeah. I, I'm quite interested in the Ox. I've heard really good things. I'm also looking at the um, is it the Captor X, which is the new one on right. the market, which is about a third of the price of the Ox, but yeah. apparently does the same thing.
2: I've used one of the two notes before, which was kind of okay. But I, I've got my main recording setup. I've got a Araya um, a ribbon. Uh, and uh, and a 57 on 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 uh, one of the speakers on the on the Jubilee cab, uh, but we've also got a, a stereo feed from from the Ox. And when I've been recording recently, there's nothing much to choose between the two. And obviously, if you're using the Ox, then you've got no problems with noise levels, and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: you can actually EQ something as you hear it, as opposed to trying to compensate for what's happening in the room. I did actually for the first time ever at NAM, and I've been to NAM. I don't know twenty times. I actually sat this year and watched a demo of the Ox and just sat there like a punter watching it. I mean, normally I'm just bouncing from meeting to meeting, but it was utterly fascinating. Yeah,
2: I, I think it's really good. I think there's a musicality to, to a lot of what they do. Their plugins and and uh, you know their kind of know-how. I think they've kind of pretty much nailed it in terms of you know I've got a I've got a um, a camper up set up there as well that uh, uh what can you say about that it, you know it sounds great um mm. but I, if I was recording I would I would prefer to use a real amp uh, although I haven't profiled my amps with it yet um but in a live situation where you're flying in for a gig uh, that is where it really comes into its own you know if you, if you don't if you can't take your, your full rig and your pedal board just having something that you can carry on the plane uh yeah. and set up through any 4x12 or whatever is it's really
0: uh, pretty special because you've always you've always incorporated a lot of tech into your setup haven't you it's not i mean this is uh, a bit, it'd be, it would be fair to say you've never been one amp one pedal
2: no from from our second album fugazi back in 84 i was using a two amp setup um using like a marshall for the for the uh grungy power cord stuff and and then a Roland JC 120 for all the clean stuff and all the solo stuff uh and I kind of used that setup pretty much up until about ninety eight ninety nine when I started using the groove tube stuff with my blade guitars and and that kind of became a different chapter um but I you know the JC is, is a fantastic sound nothing sounds like a JC 120 um and if you if you use the right guitar and the right pedals with it, it, it it's it's still it's got a timeless, chiming quality to it. that is it, quite special.
0: And you've used guitar synths and and, and other s- such things over the years as well, haven't you?
2: Yeah, I use a Roland guitar synth system on um, on assessing on Fugazi and on Misplaced Childhood, um, and that kind of worked well. I mean, it had its limitations in terms of like two different patches and stuff but in a way you know i kind of got into using midi guitars after that and none of them really worked in the same way you couldn't Mm. you couldn't just play it as an instrument you had to you know make allowances for latency and, and and tracking issues um so yeah it's still probably my my favorite is is that original uh GR five oh five, I think it was. And the floor controller a little blue unit. Do you still have that? Uh no, again I sold it. One of those periods of time when I was skint, um after we got dropped by EMI when we had the three albums on on the independent label. Um yeah, a few of my uh, guitars unfortunately had to had to go. Uh I, but I have actually just bought one of the guitars uh in the States. A friend of mine's bringing it back from the States for me. But I don't have the synth unit.
1: I, I might pick right. one up. I used to have a lock-up with a band in the early 90s that were probably Birmingham's answer to Marillion. Uh, called Ark, I think. Oh, okay, I've heard of them, yeah. And, and they they ripped off pretty much everything. Everything about Marillion. It, it you know, the the lead singer used to wear a bit of that face paint, not in a kiss way, but, you know. Right. Um, I mean, so that's like Fish did for a while. Yeah. Uh, and their guitarist had one of those guitars as well, clearly... I mean, right. everything about them was just ripped off from what you were doing. Well,
2: inspired by.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but that's okay because, you know, we shared a lock of them and we pretty much ripped off the More Guns N' Roses and everything else at the same time as well. So, yeah. Got... Everyone's got influences. The thing is to have enough
2: different kinds of influences so it all mixes together to create something unique, really.
0: And you said you've been working on the Meridian album... Um... And your solo album while you've been in lockdown. Now, um, I guess, I mean, I know a little bit away uh, about how you guys were, but you, you, you jam a lot, don't you? You, you, that's how you yeah. kind of start to uh, piece piece an album together.
2: Yeah, and um, we we were doing that up until lockdown. Um, you know, around you know, when we were around and and, and rehearsals for tours, et cetera. So, yeah, we got, we got a lot of ideas already. Then obviously lockdown happened and um, I'm sort of shielding. Uh, so I I haven't actually worked at the studio. I'm going to go there for the first time in about three weeks' time. Uh, mm. So hopefully if, if the rest of the band uh, uh, make it back from Spain or Brazil or wherever else they are at the moment... Uh, <laughs> Well, we'll be in the same room together for the first time in probably five months.
0: And if I'm right, as part of that process, you effectively capture everything you jam, don't you? And then and then yeah. review the things that that are interesting. Yeah,
2: it's not how we've always written, but it's it's sort of a way of working we kind of gravitated towards, I suppose, after we stopped working with Dave Meegan. Um, and maybe it was a way of avoiding arguments. I don't know. Um, yeah, you know, it's like you, you have five people, you have five opinions, um, about what constitutes good. Uh and it's fine if you've got a producer who, who will say, Yeah, this this is this is what you should be doing. Um, but I think in the early days with Mike, he, he was a bit wary of doing that with us. So we just we just kind of jammed and jammed and then eventually uh he helped us put together the tracks that became somewhere else. Um uh, mm. But, you know, we, we, we produced albums ourselves uh, and sometimes that worked and sometimes it was a slow, long, painful process uh, mm. and we did argue. So that's why having, having a producer as a referee
0: um, is a good idea. And the, your current producer, Mike Hunter, you work with, what, will this be album number five or number six?
2: Uh, he did some mixing on um, on Marbles, um, but then, he yeah, he's produced every album since... And
0: has it so? Do you think it's made a difference with him being the longer he's around? Is it easier for him to kind of not not stamp his authority? But is he is he a little bit more forward in his opinion now and sort of saying actually no, you know?
2: Yeah, um, no, he has to take a lot of the credit for for how the albums turn out. Really, I mean, you know, in terms of uh, arrangement ideas, as much as any, anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, he's an incredibly talented guy you know he's got a degree in, in in classical arranging um you know some of the things on 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 the last album wouldn't exist without without Mike's input
0: and an Everton fan to boot well yes it seems to be the thing I always end up talking to him about so so obviously yeah you've been able to work on Marillion in in, in the background and we um but you've been working on 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 a solo project at the same time yeah
2: I, I had this idea a couple of years ago to do a space themed instrumental album um it's not really a sequel to my last album, the, "The Ghost of Pripyat," which was kind of like a a, a band album, really. Uh, even though Dave Foster and myself wrote wrote the music. Uh, with this, I wanted something that with a slightly different identity, so um, I did some writing with Riccardo Romano, the keyboard player in my solo band, uh, with the idea of creating something a bit more sort of cinematic. Um, and yeah, I released the first track, "Bassia." Uh, uh, and I've just about finished the second track um, so another five or six to go um, and my plan is to launch we'll a crowdfunding campaign for it at the end of September um, and then it will be released sometime next year whenever it makes the most sense really so it doesn't clash with the Marillion album um, and hopefully if things have, have eased at that, that time so I can you know, actually do some promotion for it Um and it's going to come out uh, on Inside Out, which is part of Sony.
0: Your previous solo album is not that long ago, is it? I mean, how many years um,
2: in between? Yeah, it's six years now, actually. Oh, is it six? Yeah. Right. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's been a while. But then again, we've you know we've been very busy with Marillion. Really, it's not like mm. we uh, sit around twiddling our thumbs. Um,
0: well, no, because you, you've all got fairly vibrant. Well, you've all got, seem to have things going on outside of the band as well.
2: Yeah, you know,
0: I play with various people, played with my friend uh, Gabriel Agudo's album.
2: Uh, I did some recording with Thorsten from Tangerine Dream for a project that we're doing together, uh, which sounds great. Um, so I like to keep myself busy,
1: you could say. <laughs> I'm never bored. Apart from maybe during lockdown. <laughs>
2: Yeah, not even that. I mean you've got Netflix and Amazon Prime, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well
0: well actually in which case, let's as you've mentioned it, let's go there. So best thing you've watched through lockdown on either Netflix or what's the best thing you've binge watched? Oh,
2: um Well we it's the thing, you know, you most of the stuff I've already watched, but uh we caught up on Vikings, which I, I really like. Um The Last Kingdom. Um I don't know. I mean, probably The Expanse. I don't know if that was before lockdown started, but uh, my wife had not seen that, so we watched that. Um, just about to start watching, uh, is it Dark or The Dark? The yeah, yeah. The German series, yeah, yeah. Yeah, which I've heard great things about. So, you know, the thing is I'm kind of usually in my studio work until about half eight, nine o'clock at night, so it doesn't leave much time to, to watch anything, really. You kind of go in mm. and, you know, have a coffee uh, uh, or whatever and, and watch TV for about an hour, an hour and a half, and then uh, that's the end of the day. But, uh, yeah, so you know, it's
0: good to have. you've not had a cheeky day where you've, you've watched an episode at 9 o'clock and then in the morning and found yourself still there at 3.30 in the afternoon?
2: No, I've got too much to do, really. and I think I'm still right. so excited about music that, I, you know, that's kind of that's, that's my pleasure as well as my job really, which I suppose right. is quite is is rare that you can enjoy doing your job so much.
0: That's It's just me then, isn't it? I feel really guilty now. <laughs> yeah, it's just
1: you. <laughs> it's just me. Yeah, right, it is okay. just you. I've been working right. my arse off since lockdown. Right. <laughs> right, okay, it
0: is just me then. I really enjoyed, um, I don't know if you've seen this, this is an iPlayer one, um, Devs, which was um, this kind of dystopian drama that was from Alex Garland, who's the guy who wrote The, the Beach, isn't he? Yeah. Uh and, and that was and it's got I I was attracted to it because it's got the guy in it, um Nick Offerman, who played Ron Swanson in Parks and Recreation, and I'm a huge okay. fan of Parks and Recreation. Yeah, me and too, it's great. It's really funny. Yeah, fantastic. And I think Ron Swanson is just the coolest person on the planet. Definitely. Um uh, so he's in this thing and it's it but it's it's and it's a sci fi ish thing, but it's weird. But it was really it was you know it was confusing and it was you know beautiful and it was bonkers and yeah so if you haven't seen devs okay I'll try check and, it out. try and, try and grab Devs. before and there's I think it's only six episodes so uh, right it's not it's not ridiculous but yeah devs is my that, that <laughs> was my my big one from lockdown but we excellent. Go. but but there we go yeah. um I I I suppose the the obvious question really is how do you survive forty plus years in the same band? Ooh, um,
2: I suppose it's different things. It's it's being in a band with the right people. Uh, you know, no one you want to murder, at least no more <laughs> once, once a week. Um, <laughs> uh, other than that, it's it's having the freedom to make the music that you love uh, and and. You know, 99.99% of our career, we've pretty much done what the hell we wanted. Uh, And the record company's taken it, and the fans have taken it. And, you know, that incredible freedom um, means that you don't get bored at work, really. You know, you don't feel like you're writing to a formula. You can take chances with every record and keep it fresh and interesting. Um, And, yeah, we have the best fan base in the world.
1: Mm. Really, we really do. It, you you really do. Yeah. You know, it's um you know the, the whole Kickstarter, you know, crowdfunding thing was kind of started by you, wasn't it? Mm. Which is a, a remarkable given that you were so far ahead of the industry. I mean, wh- when was that first crowdfunding early well, the, in 90s?
2: The first thing we did was the American Tour Fund and that was 97. Then crowdfunding Arachnophobia was 99 it was it might have been ninety eight when we actually emailed the fans uh, and you know and the last album on, on castle was Marillion.com, dot com which was uh, obviously you know pushing our website so um <laughs> yeah we were ahead of the curve when when it came to the internet and and how it could could really be um you know part of of a band's survival really and creating this global network
1: and community of fans which i suppose kind of leads on to the uh the centre parks bit, doesn't it?
2: <laughs> yeah, the conventions. Yeah. The
1: conventions, yeah.
2: Yeah, no, the the very first one we did, we were down um, at Sil Wilcox, the Stranglers Manager's, uh, had a place just outside of, outside of Bath, rehearsal rooms. Uh, well, and a recording studio actually where the Wurzels were working, funnily enough, when we were <laughs> in <their> right, <laughs> you're right there, right? You're uh, we're, out there, we're and just having a mouthful of beer, yeah, painting <laughs> <laughs> marbles. So, you can imagine that was quite a <laughs> surreal experience. Um, but anyway, um, Sil managed to strangle us, and they did one of these fan club type events at Pontins. Uh, and he said that would be a great idea for you guys. If you like, I'll I'll uh, I'll run it for you. I'll, I'll set it up. So we did. We had the dubious pleasure of playing at uh, Pontins um, only once, mind you. Um, <laughs> I, I Our fans still talk about it with kind of looks of horror in, on their faces. Um, <laughs> but we then graduated um, to to Botlins for 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 several conventions in the UK, which was a step up. Uh, and then eventually we made the giant leap up to Centerparks in the Netherlands. Um, so that kind of became the flagship event, and and it, it's kind of grown over the years. You know, we've done conventions in Montreal, um, one in Chile, um, uh, one in Portugal. Um, where else? Well, I think that's 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 it. That's, oh, in the UK, of course. Um, but and we're looking at doing a couple of other places when we eventually do the next lot which was supposed to be next year but which will now be
1: uh 2022 so i i've never been on one of these fan conventions i i have um several times contemplated going on the kiss cruise um the family don't want to come with me and it, it does cost an absolute fortune and i just wondered what's it like from the artist's point of view Are you kind of like stalked around center
2: parks not at all, no. They're the nicest people you could imagine. You was know, 3,000 of your most diehard fans from around the world. And, you know, occasionally you stop and sign autographs and stuff, or people just say hi. Um I, I think it's, it's kind of people's enthusiasm seems to be building, though. The last time we did it, uh, I traditionally got in... There's a couple of bars there that the fans go in afterwards and do, like, rock karaoke and various things. And I normally go in and meet some of my... Uh, friends there and have a drink with them, but the last time I, I went, I couldn't even get in the door. You know, it was just like, <laughs> kind of, uh, which was you know, it's it's nice in a way. It does get a bit exhausting if you just played for two and a half hours to be stood there for a, for another hour um, signing autographs and taking selfies with people. But you know, there's worse ways to make a living. Um,
1: yeah, so here's a you know, and um, Center Parks isn't the most uncomfortable holiday park, either, is it? I mean, it's quite no, I know.
2: I mean, the, the uh, the cottages we're in
1: are, are yeah, are quite comfortable. I bet you get the nice cottages, don't you? That I can't afford, yeah, they've got the saunas built into them, all kinds of yeah. things,
2: yeah, yeah, on the beach,
0: yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> fabulous. So,
0: I mean, having been to the UK ones, I've not been to one of the ones abroad, but I haven't to the UK ones there's also a lot of work involved in the fact that you play three different sets over three nights, don't you?
2: Yeah, and the swap the band things in the Netherlands um, and various other things. Yeah, you can guarantee that it's it's probably eight, maybe even nine hours worth of music you have to try and hold in your brain. And probably, I don't know, 30 or 40 guitar solos that you're expected to play note perfectly. <laughs> of course. <laughs> and of course, you know, you, quite often you choose the most obscure songs, some of which have never played live before, or yeah. if you have, you played once 10, 15 years ago. So uh, trying to commit all that to memory and then trying to keep it in your brain without it dribbling out your ears is uh, quite a challenge.
0: The problem with having 3,000 diehard fans is we do all know when you play something that we've never heard before. Yeah, well, there's, um, there's
2: one of the convention DVDs where we play No One Can and I just crash and burn during the solo. And, you know, I've played it every time we've played the song, however many thousand times, I've played it perfectly. All the times in the rehearsals, I've played it perfectly. All the, all the sound checks, I've played it perfectly. <laughs> but, you know, I say when you've got that much music you're trying to hold in your head, it just takes that little... Moment of doubt, you know. Mm. And that little voice saying, You're gonna mess this up, you know? Yeah, shut up, you know. And uh <laughs> lo and behold <laughs> you have uh yeah something that's pretty ugly.
1: <laughs> I'm like that every time I have to play a guitar solo. I think I play rhythm all night, comes to a guitar solo and there's just like someone in me again, you're gonna mess it up, you're gonna mess it up and I invariably do. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I, th- I think sometimes you it's like turning off that little voice, really. It's yeah, whatever it takes to blank that out. Um, mm. Because it's like you know it, your brain knows it, your your fingers know it. Um, and it's it's a conscious part of your brain that sticks to a spanner in the works. So it's kind mm. of
0: just telling that where to go, really, for long enough <laughs> to get through it. I suppose the only thing you've got to fall back on is the fact that Mark's keyboard rig will probably fall over within 30 seconds of uh, of you of you doing something wrong. So you'll probably, you well, know... Uh, yeah,
2: I mean, that's more than a 50-50 chance sometimes.
0: <laughs> it's a, it's a little bit it's of an open joke.
2: It's been a lot, lot better recently. But it was for, <laughs> yeah. for a long time. It was like how, how many songs are we going to get through before the keyboards crash? But anyway... <laughs> yeah
0: did used to happen fairly regularly um, yeah, yeah yeah that's I, but I mean that is the one thing about I guess a fan base like because I mean I you know I, I it is a bit like Alcoholics Anonymous you do feel like you're standing in a room going well yeah you know hi my name's Anthony and I'm a brilliant fan um, but when you're in part of that crowd it is they are you know, everybody is a lovely but be so passionate about it, yeah. It, it, it is like nothing else. I can't, I can't, I mean, I agree with you. I've not met fans of other bands that are the same as Marillion fans. It's, it's
2: no, you, you can see that on the uh, Royal Albert Hall um DVD and you know, on the clips that are on YouTube. Um, it's just the response of our audience, it's just phenomenal. You know, it's like the, the passion and the energy that they give you. Uh, and the love, really, it's just, it's staggering. Um, and it's the same everywhere around the world. That's the thing, you know, you go to South America uh, and or Mexico. You know, there'll be guys in their, in their 30s and 40s that, you know, they're watching the concert with tears streaming down their faces because they're so emotionally invested in the music and the songs. Um, it's... Uh, it's an incredible thing for, that music can be so powerful and can resonate at such a deep level, really.
0: mm. There was a moment at one, and it, I think, it, if I'm right, it was one of the UK fan convention shows where a group of people, I don't know who it was, had organised lights, hadn't they? They organised like finger lights for people. That's
2: correct, yeah. That's, that was Tony Firminger who, who did that for the
0: uh, for the Leicester
2: Meridian weekend for the first time. It secretly, go, and, and the end of Go... Um, Everyone pulled them out on cue and lit them up, and it was the most incredible experience that we replicated for the for the Royal Albert Hall. For, for the Royal Albert Hall, Yeah, uh,
0: but uh, yeah, just amazing. Um, yeah. I mean, I was I was in the audience for that, and I didn't know what was happening. I had no clue at all. Um, and and there was this just this point at the end of a you know, there's a lovely outro at the end of this song, and literally the entire audience just lit up. Yeah, they, they, they just all activated these little they were like rings, weren't they? Like little ring yeah. things that
2: you, kind of multicolored, sort of yeah, yeah.
0: And, no, and yeah. then, and I, and I assumed I'd missed something, I assumed it was something that everybody <laughs> knew about and that the band knew about. They did actually was
1: the first night of that night. It's the Don't Tell Ant Club, <laughs> you know, everybody else is a member,
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah,
1: <laughs> the, the, there's a few of those, it's one of those in my house, <laughs> um, but, um.
0: You know, but now it, it, it's things like that that are just so unique. Those little moments, and and I think the way and the way that Marillion fans communicate with each other, and it is an extended family. They are what you know. You go to particularly the convention shows, and you go, and you just see all these people who who the it, that's the only thing they've got in common. Yet they've become lifelong friends. Oh well, yeah,
2: people you know meet, get married. Um yeah they like say become lifelong friends um and form yeah incredibly
1: tight friendships um it's like one in, one in every 10 of their children called Kaylee.
2: i don't think so much of those people <laughs> well, there's some of them maybe but uh, there are a lot of Kaylees around there yeah. <laughs>
0: there are a lot of Kaylees around there are yeah. <laughs> yeah
1: yeah i i heard somewhere i have i know i don't know if this is true or not but i heard that that was a name that you'd made up that didn't exist before. Then is that Well, right? it,
2: it was the name um, of Fisher's ex-girlfriend, whose name was Kay, and her last name was Lee. So Kay Lee was, ah, was right. that, name see. that became uh, yeah a girl's name. You know. And the spelling's afterwards. unique, I think.
0: I think the spelling's unique from there, isn't it? So everybody yeah. you see who's with it spelled that way. But yeah, was she a...
2: was kind of Fisher's true, true love, really, I think. And uh, it was his way of apologising apologizing to her um, for being uh, such a tool. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I do remember the Top of the Pops performance. Was that the one where Fisher lost his voice and he kind of had the, all the lyrics written on a That feature? was Lavender. Oh, was that think... Lavender, was it? I think,
2: I don't know. They all blur together. <laughs> Uh, my my memories of top of the puffs. and we did it maybe a dozen or so times. It's just like when we did things like Punch and Julie and, and seeing all these young kids trying to dance to what we did, and <laughs> bemused expressions on their faces, like, yeah. <laughs> and and it was yeah. all very sm- smashing and nicey or whatever it is. You know, it was all it, it was very much like that.
1: A... <laughs> yeah, yeah, when you think back now, they always kind of hone in one sort of like rock band. Yeah. With you know a load of pop pap really wasn't it you know I would imagine Sunita was on just before you or just after you oh or yeah something.
2: yeah <laughs> no it's very strange very surreal I mean then going up to the BBC bar afterwards you know and uh, you'd bump into Lemmy uh, it's just yeah <laughs> quite a strange experience
0: and am I right in saying that through, around about that time you were also did did were you one of the bands on the young one
2: um. I think, uh, yeah. Neil said, "Why don't you play some good music like Hawkwind or Marillion, I think. Right, but you
0: were never one of the bands they cut away no, to. You never. No, we never, we never
2: played, it on. played on it. Yeah.
0: Right. Okay. I, I had it in my head that you, but that I, I, was like everywhere at the point in time watching the new ones because I'd been expressly told I couldn't watch it.
2: Of course, yeah. So, There's no better reason to watch it. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah, because at, no. at the age of 11, it's the best swearing on yeah, TV. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I know by today's standards it's incredibly tame, but it yeah. Is, back yeah. Then.
2: But, but back then, yeah, it was very
0: cutting edge. So I turn to a slightly more serious topic, I guess. Um, there's been lots in the press, um, and, we, and we've talked about it a bit on the podcast about the effect of COVID on live music. Um, and more importantly, that for so many people now, live music is one of one of the, the well, it is the primary income stream. Um, because obviously, you know, the money from the ticket sales plus the money from the merch and all those kind of things. There's you're not making as much money from recorded music. Um, and I know it's different from Meridian because Meridian still managed to sell a lot of product, which is you know, which is great. But for a lot of a lot of bands, that you know, that's not happening. And the Meridian um, the Marillion team is 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 also very much a family. So you've worked with a you know a group of people who you tour with and who and who run the you know help run the racket club um how how is everything with with the group because i mean i've ended up getting to know you know the the guitar techs and the you know and phil who does front of house and you you know
2: yeah i think well, it depends um you know that most of them are managing to keep busy doing other bits and pieces i mean phil our sound guy mixed the sound for my um see Brothery Band DVD that will be coming out in the next few months. Um, but other than that, I don't think he's done that much. Um, just kind of tried not to go crazy. Um, mm. No, it's, it's, it's a tough time, and, and things aren't going to change that quickly, I don't think, until there's a vaccine. Mm. Um, this whole idea of, of having venues a quarter full and social distancing, it's just its not really workable. No. Um, I mean, the whole thing about the driving concerts, again, um, I was speaking to my friend Thorsten from Tangerine Dream, and he'd just done one of those in Germany. Uh, and he said the, the car furthest away from the stage was one kilometer away. <laughs> you know, everyone's listening on their radio in the car. But I mean, you know,
1: yeah, that's not going to a concert, is it? No. no. No, I mean they've cancelled all the ones in the UK now, haven't they? And, yeah. And whilst whilst Live Nation sent an email that said, "Oh, it's because we don't know what's going to happen," blah blah blah. I actually think it's because they weren't selling that many tickets. No, really. I don't think there was that much interest. It was it was announced too too soon. I mean,
2: if it was next spring, then then mm. might have made it work. I mean, I'm I'm a bit devious of some of the the big these big tours that are just are being put back from the end of this year till to early next year. I think that's too soon. Mm. I th- I think. Um, autumn of, of next year it's the only time you could really hope that things would have progressed far enough with a vaccine and, and um, you know, with all the other factors to make that possible, and of course we've got Brexit to worry about if if, it, if the world pandem- <laughs> pandemic wasn't bad enough uh, <laughs> no. we, we then
1: have the nightmare that could be touring in Europe post Brexit Yes, uh, uh, I'm not looking forward to that it's yeah, um, no. it's one of the things, because I, I teach at um, BIM in uh, Birmingham. Oh, right. And uh, it, it's one of the things that we've had to kind of, you know, get the students used to. They've never, you know, I'm old enough that I can remember before this freedom of movement and freedom of goods and everything. And, you know, trying to explain to them that, you know, you're gonna, you could potentially need just one document to get you into Europe, or you could need one for France, Spain, Portugal, Germany, you know. Uh, and the the old days of when you had to, you know, you couldn't go through France, nip into Switzerland and then into Germany. Oh, no, you couldn't I'm... go anywhere
2: near Switzerland, really, yeah.
1: yeah I mean, you it's... have to pay
2: pay import duty on the T-shirts you take into the country, regardless of what you sell, um, or merch generally in Switzerland. It was a, always a nightmare when, when touring across Europe. So it's just no way of knowing. Um, and I suppose it, it's, it's down to how difficult um, they want to make life for us as well and you couldn't really blame them for making life as difficult as possible given the circumstances Um, you know maybe maybe that's the thing you know we'd all tour with campers and you just hire your, your camper in each territory and turn up with your guitar Mm, yeah, you know, yeah. I mean that's about the only way I could see it, it being feasible. And you get your t-shirts printed in Switzerland.
1: Yeah,
2: <laughs> <laughs> I mean I'm not, you know, as much as I, it's a nice place
1: to visit. I I, I wouldn't lose any sleep if, if if I didn't tour Switzerland again. Um, hey, isn't that where your guitars made though? No, it's not made there. Is it? it's made in Japan? But no, the 11... company's based there. But it's, yeah, the parts yeah, are. Yeah. Uh, I mean, especially my original ones. Uh, they're all yeah made in Japan.
2: But yeah, no, so that's just a big question mark on top of the pandemic question mark, really. So.
1: Hey! Uh, hey!
0: <laughs> well, there's not a lot of love for Brexit around any of this call, I don't think. I think the number yeah. of times Jason and I have had quite, you know, arguments, not arguments about no, it, but... because we agree. <laughs> we agree, yeah I, I, yeah. I think it's an yeah. act of absolute lunacy, but anyway, anyway. Yeah. We'll, we'll worry about the one thing that we've got in front of us before we start to worry about yeah, the huge behemoth that's waiting behind it let's worry about not dying first and then we can worry about (laughs) how the hell we're going to manage the tour (laughs) yes once we've not died let's worry about how we're going to live jason you had a
1: question about carnival of souls didn't you (laughs) oh yeah sorry and this is because i've already mentioned them once that i'm a big kiss fan so you released carnival of souls in 1996 and so did kiss release carnival of souls in 1996 and i just wondered what had inspired the name and was it something that was floating around in the ether at the same time?
2: I think actually, I, I announced it before Kiss, but it was from it's one of those things where you're trying to find names for things like names for bands or names for albums. And it, it, was, a, it was a film that released, I think it was done if it was a, a horror film. Um, so it was in like a film guide book. I mean, uh, the wishing treat was as well. Um, that's where that came from um so yeah you just try and find something that's not been done to death <laughs> <laughs> and for yeah, those yeah.
0: those who don't know that was a uh, that was a band uh so the wishing tree was the band wasn't it and that was with a yeah. a, a vocalist called hannah, hannah that's hannah right Hannah
2: Stobart. we did two albums we did a uh, carnival of souls and then a star um We had a lot of interest in various parts of the world. I mean, our Japanese label wanted to fly to Japan, but uh, I couldn't because my commitments with Marillion at the time. Uh, We did a lot of major sort of TVs in Italy. Um, Unfortunately, it was one of those things that didn't resonate maybe with all the Marillion fans or even any of the Marillion fans. (laughs) It was one of those things where the the people who who heard the albums absolutely loved them, Uh, but unfortunately not many people did.
0: But it's great. If if my if my head my earphone cable would allow me to do it, I would get them both off the shelf because oh, okay. I okay, well, uh, I, I, I I am a fan. I have them both, and I am I am a fan. So well, uh, I'm proud of proud of them both, really.
2: You know, it was um, both of them. Well, most of them recorded in this very room. Mm. Um, so, but yeah, a great experience. And, and Hannah's uh, yeah, she's part of the family, really. So we we mm. we we see her and the drummer Paul a husband um probably twice a year usually hmm. um, and at some point we might do a third album we were talking about doing it um about f- 5 6 years ago and then um they uh, they had a had a child which has obviously taken up all their time yeah since um <laughs> but maybe uh maybe at some point in the future we'll do something else
0: because that i mean i i thought um i certainly when i listened to the first one there was um Little bits of all about Eve in there, and yeah. I could I could trace things like that uh, in there. But then, of course, I then heard some mostly autumn after that, and thought, and then almost did a link back the other way, and thought, well, the strains of bits of mostly autumn in there, and uh, you know, and it's, they're very, very interesting albums, very
1: interesting. albums. Yeah, album. no, I, I, I'm proud of them both. I got a question um, while we're talking about not Marillion stuff, because uh, you did a book, didn't you? Postcards from the Road. Yes. And I I love photographic books like that. I've just ordered, um, what's it called, Explosions in the Canyons, I think, which is a, a kind of um, fly-on-the-wall documentary of Eddie Van Halen recording at his 5150 studio. I've got a, a Ryan Adams photo book from On the Road that was taken by, the, I think, the bass player took all the pictures. And I've got a a Black Crows one where the bass player took all the pictures and stuff like that. So I'm kind of fascinated by On the Road Sort of like documentary books, sort of. Thing. Yeah,
2: so. I mean, it was you know I always had this love of photography, and I had a camera with me, so it was like the natural thing for me to do. I mean, of course, these days everyone's just doing it on their iPhones.
1: It's not the same, though, is it? No,
2: it's not the same. Uh, although there's certain shots you can you can do on an iPhone easier than you can you can do in a conventional camera. Um, but yeah, some of the other shots, you know, with anything with a telephoto lens or, or in low light or some of the stuff that i like to do is like in digital infrared um then yeah you, you you're running to the limitations of of using a, a a camera phone but uh but yeah i don't do as much photography these days uh, unfortunately but um I think I've taken so many photos of the band over the years. You know, you get to a point and you get to an age where people don't want to see how they look like anymore. They'd rather remember how they looked <laughs> 10 years ago um than, you know, to be confronted with the uh stark truth of the fact that we all get old and uh, you know, you can't you can't look in your 20s or 30s or even 40s forever. Um, you know,
1: Oh, I don't know. Though I mean, I think some 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 artists own aging quite well.
2: Yeah, I mean, some sometimes it's surgery, sometimes it's blood transplants. <laughs> uh, but but, uh, but yeah, I think we're we, we're doing pretty well, you know, for a band that's kind of members of most of, of us are in our sixties now. So, uh, are you really? Yeah, yeah. I I turned sixty. Oh, so in, I suppose you would be band, if
1: you've yeah. been going for. 40 odd years but yeah
2: yeah 19 when i joined meridian so
1: yeah wow you look pretty good on it i have to say yeah oh i think
2: yeah but yeah you know like I say, we we all get older you 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 get to a point where um you kind of got to accept that um and mm. it's it's the important thing is to be healthy especially in this day and age
1: so is there plans for another because I, I was reading on uh i don't know if it's your facebook page or uh, something there might be another photo book
2: yeah, no, my original plan with the postcards of the road uh is for there to be three volumes. Um right. I've got uh yeah, I've got all the photos for the next next volume and probably two thirds of the following one. Um but it's just time really, you know. Uh my my priority is a Marillion album and finishing my next solo album in, in my free time. Uh, and then maybe sometime next year I will uh try and get the next book together. I've still got a few copies of the, of the first volume. Uh, but I mean, people are loving it. Uh, but uh, it's, it's a big, heavy thing. And uh, I think the shipping costs are almost as much as the book, you know, if you're sending it. Oh, yeah, you know, no, I know. Um, I bought.
1: I uh, bought. Yeah, sorry to bang on about Kiss again. I bought Lydia Chris, who was Peter Chris's wife. Um, obviously, no one ever saw Kiss without a makeup in the 70s. Uh, and because she was obviously married to them, she was taking photographs of them all the time that weren't allowed to be published until makeup came off. And she did this photographic book and the shipping was twice at the cost of the book. Yeah. I mean, the book was fairly expensive. So in the end, I got it shipped to my hotel when I was out at Nam, shoved it in my suitcase and bought it back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because the shipping was like $100. My books are available on Amazon now. So I think they it's, it's, it's sold a few
2: more copies because obviously their shipping costs are a lot got less. Uh but it is a problem if you're trying to do something that's like a proper coffee table book. Uh you know, I think I didn't do it to make money. I did it cause I just thought this would be interesting for the fans and the people who bought it uh, love it.
1: So I think that's I think we we're, we're in an age now where the thing that really sells is the behind the scenes stuff, you know. I'm...
2: Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's it. There's there's photos, all the, the you know the press shots and the the official photography shots uh, everywhere. But having something, it's like a peek behind the curtain. It's it's, yeah. a, it's a lot more real and a lot more interesting, and tells you a lot more about the personalities of the people involved.
1: Yeah, I think and I think that's what people like. You know, I mean it's part of the reason why we we're, we're doing this really. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it's uh, I. I have people ask me all the time what I do all year round, and it's like nothing, nothing at all. <laughs> <laughs> the event just happens. I just rock up in February, and it's all built. It's brilliant. Yeah, it's <laughs> all done. Yeah, there's no marketing. Nothing, nothing happens. But um, you know, so it was tra- some of it was to try and sort of like sh- just show what happens behind the scenes. Really.
0: Yeah. One of the things we do uh, when we put the podcast out is we do a little, uh, we do a Spotify playlist to accompany it. So we do it we put a little five track it is five tracks, isn't it? Five track yeah. playlist together. Um and um and we pick various things through, you know, from from uh, from the people we've spoken to. And uh, you know, we'd already said that we were gonna put a wishing tree um track on there. Um um and I was thinking is I was Evergreen. I was evergreen? I'd like to go with Evergreen, yeah, I really I really like Evergreen. Yeah,
2: Evergreen or Midnight Snow would probably be my choice from, from right. Carnival.
0: Right, okay. Well that, right, okay. um and then we thought we'd put the new the new tune on, the new track on. Yeah, let's um, see. Yeah. And uh we'll pick something from ghosts. Yeah, maybe sort of Morpheus or Morpheus. Old Man. Yeah. Um which then leads us to the question you know I'm gonna ask next. So can you pick two Marillion tracks to put on that Spotify playlist? Uh yeah, I
2: can. Uh, Afraid of Sunlight and The Great Escape. All right, written. Those I down. thought
0: that I thought that might take longer than that.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. Okay. Because you know my favourite solo of yours is from Strange Engine. So yeah, that's uh, a
2: long song though.
0: It's a long song for them yeah. To get Yeah, but it's <laughs> a yeah. high point when you get there. Yeah, no, but it, it is. is it. I
2: agree. Um, uh, at, uh, another one of my make up on the spot and hopes when records its solos. Um a <laughs> yeah, lot, a lot, a lot of my best solos. Uh, well nearly everything I do is improvised. And uh, mm. the band have learnt over the years just to record everything I do in case I do something good. Uh, and when I do, I then have to go away and learn it, which what happened <laughs> with the, the Strange Engine solo and the Easter solo, um, you know, it
1: just happens in the moment, really. So did you just sort of blank your mind and just go for it?
2: Yeah, I just try not to play the obvious thing, and I try and surprise myself. So, you know, I have kind of like a, a rough framework of, of, of the the key and the, and the notes and the scale. But then within that, I, yeah, I try not to do the obvious thing. Um, and, you know, one of the things I try and do, I suppose, is have little pauses in the phrasing, so it's kind of more like a wind instrument sometimes. Give it gives it a more lyrical quality. Um, and, you know, bending and vibrato is a very important part of what I do. So uh, I just try and put it together and try to make it move around. Um and then yeah, quite often have it Have you
1: seen? Have you seen the YouTube channel that's called Wings of Pegasus? No, I've seen. I've watched quite a few of this guy's videos. He just talks. I don't know who he is. Just a guy with a YouTube channel who talks about. Um, a, a player of a, a video sort of thing and kind of analyzes their playing, and I ended up this afternoon. Um, God, don't tell my bosses at BIM um, with this on uh, on the computer. and And he was talking about how important your your phrasing is and your vibrato. Okay, and and, and it was a uh, what was it called? An analysis masterclass of Steve Rothery. <laughs> so I was like transfixed oh, well. for about fifteen minutes. So you should check that out.
0: <laughs> okay, I will do Wings of Pegasus, you say. Yeah. Okay.
1: It's one of those things that I you know, I just wonder whether sometimes that when people are analysing if you don't know them, they're analysing what you've played and you're you're in your head you're going, No, no, it wasn't like that at all. No, no, I literally just made that up on the spot. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much um <laughs> Yeah, that's that's how I, I go. Something like Neverland, you
2: know, there's like one phrase. And, you th- okay, well, this is going to happen so many times. How can you make this interesting? Okay, well, first of all, you make it as intense as possible. Then you try and have places that you go within the context of that. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's a challenge sometimes. Uh, but usually what you do is, is trying to get something that encapsulates the emotion of the lyrics um and sometimes it's like a case of weaving a melody around the vocal melody so it supports it uh mm. and enhances it but it doesn't fight it and i think that's one of the things that i i really try and do um you know things like let's say I picked out great escape uh there's some similar sections of that in the last of you and at uh, the end section that uh it's like a little dance that the guitar does around the vocals that um I don't think I don't hear many other people doing that really. Um, so
0: so hurrah for me. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. <laughs> One question I'd like to ask. We we um, when we, we recorded quite a lot of these um, in the first stages of lockdown. and um, and when we did that and we ended up doing sort of six or seven in, in really short succession and, and we put together a little quick fire round of questions that we asked people. And we kind of knocked that on the head. Yeah, as, we, as we kind of came out of lockdown Hoping that the world was going to get more normal We kind of uh, knocked that thing on the head But there's one of those questions I'd like to ask you uh, Which is um, If you could pick um, Three people To have dinner with Who would you pick? Live or dead? Not, not You know, you can go as far back as you like Three people
2: to have dinner with Um Joni Mitchell, um, Dave Gilmore, uh, and Neil Armstrong.
1: Ah, time with the new space album. <laughs> <laughs> Like
2: what you did there, yeah. <laughs> well, no, see, the, um, I, yeah, I have a big love of space, and 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 obviously Neil is such an icon, but um, I'm very fortunate to, to be a good friend of, of both his sons, Mark and and Rick. In fact, if you see the La Silla video, uh, Rick's playing bass uh, when we when we were playing live up at the uh, La Silla Observatory in Chile last summer. Um, and thanks to Rick, I got to meet. Um, yeah, various other people in the space industry. Um, so yeah, it's 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 it's. I've got a lot of friends actually in um, in the European Space Agency, the European Southern Observatory, and and people that I've met through Rick. Really,
1: that's weird. Thinking about it, my friends that were big Marillion fans when we were, you know, school and sorry to the age thing but when we were at school and there were big marillion fans all went on to do degrees in physics oh, i right. wonder if there's a oh. there's some kind of tie-up between marillion fans and heavyweight you know sort of subjects yeah
2: maybe that well that's i suppose that shows that we're uh, yeah maybe we're some way appeal to people who who want something a bit, a bit more adventurous maybe or something they have to digest
0: there are there are exceptions yeah well yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah sorry yeah. yeah there are exceptions you also you also appeal to quite shallow Sheffield united supporters as well so uh you know there, there are there are definite exceptions so just to to bring you back around to almost how we started really so the the solo project the inspired by space solo project the first the first uh, sort of tunes, the first singles out, isn't it? Um, and and you can hear that already. And I think we'll put that on the we'll we'll put the the version that, you know because I think the I don't know if there's two versions or not, but we'll put the, the one that's currently on Spotify. We'll put that. Yeah, there's the a full length
2: version which is on on Spotify, uh, or there's a video for the first two thirds of the song that's uh, on YouTube, uh, including a 4K version which looks pretty amazing. Yeah, and some of that footage is spectacular. Oh yeah, we well we we took a couple of drones there. To, to film the, the live performance. We have various other cameras, and, and some of it is, is the ESO footage that the blenders use. Um, and that's the amazing thing is that that's probably the least spectacular of the three videos that we're going to make. I mean, the next track mm. that i just about to finish uh, is called Moonrise Over Paranal. Uh, and Paranal is an observatory um, with is it six uh, huge telescopes, um, one of which fires laser beams, up into the sky, you know, like the Death Star, but it's to measure the uh, the atmospheric uh, distortion. Um, and underneath this main dish, there's a series of like tiny little mirrors that are controlled by the computer. So any uh, distortion caused by the atmosphere is compensated for by by the mirrors, which increases the the, the resolution of the image. Um, and you know, the, these things are for d- detecting planets from. Around fire off systems and yeah, all cutting edge edge science. Um, so yeah, that's a, that was a, an incredible place. I've been there three times now, uh, and then ALMA, uh, which is like a, a like a forest of giant radio telescopes up at five thousand meters, um, and uh, they were one of one of the uh, observatories that was responsible for that imaging of the of the black hole. Uh, Whenever that was now six months or so ago um so yeah I mean, it's in- incredible science at these places, and really inspirational uh, I was talking to one of the scientists there who's you know, a lot of musicians again at these places, and this this guy was telling me how um they' detected in the in the interstellar gas um the elements for sugar and alcohol, so it's no. it's, it's a universal you see. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Brilliant. And and the, the so the crowdfund for that's gonna go live in September. Yeah, and... the end of
2: September with a release some sometime that doesn't clash with Meridian in, yeah. in twenty uh twenty twenty
0: one. Yeah, okay. And the best place to go and find that information we'll put a link on the on the yeah, show notes I mean, but that's your website, is it?
2: Yeah, my website, steverothery.com dot com. There's a mailing list there for anyone that's interested. You know, and I'm gonna do various uh, versions of the album like, like I did the Kickstarter campaign for the Pripyat album there'll be a uh, just a download there'll be a standard edition a special edition and probably like an ultra edition with like a photo book maybe um, and surround sound mixes, Blu-rays etc. So that's the kind of plan at the moment.
0: And you said there's a um, Steve Roderick Band there's a is it a DVD that's coming?
2: Yeah yeah. there's a DVD coming from our shows a few years ago at uh, the Islington uh, Assembly Rooms. Um, so, uh, yeah, so that should should be out before Christmas. Uh, and I've got various various other things that I'll probably try and find a way of releasing lots of live uh, stuff from various places around the world. Uh, SRB shows,
0: but that's kind of like further on down the road, really. And where would you direct people to to keep a, a to keep tabs on you? Is your, is your Facebook? Um, is that the, the yeah, best place? Yeah,
2: but my, my two Facebook profiles. Probably the, the best one is to follow my personal profile because that's the one right. I tend to use the most. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, the com thing to be on the mailing list to hear about anything special that's happening.
0: Yeah, because what we find with a lot of people we speak to is they tend to be active. They might be across a cross number of platforms, but there's one they tend to be active on. Yeah, and, some and, people And I've just... noticed with you it tends to be Facebook. Um, yeah.
2: Yeah, I've not really embraced Twitter or, or even Instagram to that degree yet, which I probably should do. Um, but I'm too busy making music, I suppose.
0: <laughs> and, and don't stop doing that. that no. That's, that's, no that, from a personal that's... point of view, that's kind of where, where I like you. Yeah, that should be my uh, priority. Yeah, if you want to chain yourself to that particular space you're in at the moment, then that's absolutely fine. Uh, absolutely. F- fine with me. I'll I'll I'll, I'll organise some delivery for you. If, if you, if you, if you yeah. That's... <laughs> Uh, what it, we do you know? We're just about to clock over into an hour, according to uh, ah, the, the clock at the bottom yeah. of the. Uh, Is that you know. from the
2: first interview, or or just this? No, one?
1: because he wasn't recording at the start, was he? So we're actually sort of an hour and fifteen minutes or something. <laughs> Sorry about that. Thank Anthony. you, thank you very much, both of you for for waiting.
0: Uh that that was revenge that was best served cold wasn't it you waited a full hour didn't you before you uh, before before you got in um steve thank you very much for your time My it's pleasure. been an absolute thank pleasure uh, and hopefully hopefully um we'll we'll chat again near when the album's about to about to come out and hopefully sounds we good. can do it face to face over a over a beer or something sounds good um, that's fantastic right well i shall wrap it up we'll um well do you know what, Jace? We we normally top and tail these things, but I think we'll just wrap this one here and now, shall well, we? And just... Absolutely,
1: mate. We we're, we're we're running up with this at the moment, aren't we? Just go live, it'll be fine.
0: Right, we're gonna go with whatever we've got. With uh, okay. whatever have got, right. Okay. Well thanks everybody. Uh, speak soon. Thanks for listening. And Cheers. please subscribe and everything if you don't subscribe. Uh, and we'll speak to you all very soon. Cheers. Cheers. Bye bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to to 9to42, the podcast from the team at The Guitar Show UK. If you've enjoyed the show, then please remember to hit the subscribe button and share with other like-minded souls. For more information about 9to42, please follow us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram at The Guitar Show UK. This has been an A Short Stories production.